Hi, I'm Sarah Shea. And I'm Strangely Duesberg. Welcome to the Pilot House. A podcast where we watch all the shows we missed the first time around. And try to figure out where the heck they were going with this. What do we know about Doogie Hauser? M.D.? Is that the yeah, title? I, I think it's just Doogie Hauser, but Doogie Hauser? now I'm questioning that. No, I'm pretty sure it's Doogie Hauser MD, and that's the joke because Doogie's like a silly child's name or something. Ooh, is his real name Douglas? We already don't know why. Yeah. <laughs> why his name is Doogie? Uh, Short for something? I know that it is about a a child doctor. Yes, a child precocious doctor. child doctor. Played by actual child precocious child Neil Patrick Harris. <laughs> uh, I think he's like. 14 or something, 14, 15 yeah. years old. I think so the like, character is younger than, like, he was 15 when he played it, but the character he's playing is younger. Yeah. I feel I, like maybe I, it's a thing. 13 seems too young, 14 seems about right. Yeah. Yeah. Like And a, a, his a, best friend. A doctor who's 13, that's ridiculous. 14, I'll buy it. <laughs> no, it just feels right for the, when I remember right. the character. Anyway, his best friend is played by Max Castellaneta. Who is oh, racetrack and newsies? Right, right, as we all know, uh, and he's like the sassy, like street smart kid, maybe. Yeah, or maybe I'm just thinking of his character in newsies. Right, he's like the the uh, the the um, yeah, he has the horse sense. Like Doogie's the the brain guy, and then he <laughs> he's has got the, the horse. horse right here. It's funny that you said it's got a horse sense because his character in newsies. Yeah. It's funny. He's a child genius. He goes to college and med school and graduates and becomes a, like a legit doctor and actually works in a hospital at age 14. And it's all about him balancing being a child, being a teenager and having like yeah. normal teenage life while also being in a, a, an adult world and doing a very serious job. So it's Spider-Man, the television program. It, except being a doctor is very serious. Right. So is being Spider-Man, Sarah. With great power, Sarah, comes great responsibility, Charles. <laughs> but also, I remember there's like a thing where he writes diary entries in his computer. Whoa. I think that's like a there's like a framing device of the episode. Maybe it mm. starts with, Dear Diary. And it's like glowing green text on a smoky gray background. Right, because this was the 80s? Late 80s. Yeah. All right, well, I... I think that's about it. I, I don't know if he, I don't know if any other characters, of any other characters, if he has a, any other little friends or what the, the other doctors at the hospital or whatever. I don't, I don't know anything else about the other characters that I can remember hearing about. Yeah. My, my like only vague understandings of this is that like, it is still, it still has like a very deep cultural penetration. Like, yeah. Sort of like how Star Trek The Next Generation, like, my mom can explain warp drive and beaming up and everything just because of how ubiquitous it got into the culture. And, like, in some ways, like, I feel like Doogie Hauser, like, like any young-looking doctor is, like, a Doogie Hauser reference. And, like, yeah, or any kind of thing. precocious, yeah. intelligent child, you might still jokingly call them Doogie Hauser. Yeah. And, but... Like, I don't know anything about sort of the day-to-day -day nuts and bolts of the show at all. So yeah. I'm very keen to... Yeah, I'm pretty sure child doctor, uh, street smart best friend types computer diary entries as part of the, f like, framing device of the show. I think that's about everything that I know. Oh, wait, one more thing. I just remembered. So, despite the fact that I am positive I've never actually watched an episode of this show, uh -huh. I am positive that I know exactly what the theme song sounds like. Yeah. But I don't know why I would know that. So I'd like to 
attempt a, a rendition of the theme song, and then when we watch the show, we'll see if I'm actually right or if I've got some other random melody in my head as a theme song. Okay. All right. All right. And it goes on for a bit. So either that's the Doogie Howser theme song, and I for some reason know it, or that is some other theme from something else, and my brain is falsely connecting it to Doogie Howser. Let's find out. It's very synthy. Uh, that wasn't right. clear from my oh, rendition. Okay. Yeah. It's very 80s synth. Okay. Let's uh let's go to the clip. Yeah. <laughs> Can we, do we have a clip of that? Theme song? Can we play that clip? All right, uh, Sarah, we actually have the Doogie Howser theme song backstage. Let's bring them out! <laughs> oh my god! Oh wow! You're here, theme song, as a but in a person form. Before we get into the rest of the episode here, uh, post Doogie Howser viewing. I would like to introduce a new segment of our show, episode 10. We're, we're rocking in with a new section, which is, uh, we forgot to come up with a cute name for, I just realized. We, maybe we'll come up with, the, we'll debut the name of the segment in episode 11. But right now, we are going to pointedly address where we were wrong in what we were right about in our what we know section, because we're often quite wrong and sometimes we forget to address it. Because we're so excited to get into the synopsis. Or because we sometimes we record the what we know way early. We'll record a bunch of them in one go. Um, so that if when we have a chance to watch the episodes, we don't have to hold back. So uh, this time we made a note to re-listen to our what we know post-watching. And uh, make a note of what we were wrong about. So, um, of course, we debuted this segment on a show where we actually weren't wrong about pretty much anything, except that I misspoke. I said uh, Max Castellaneta, which Dan Castellaneta is the voice of Homer Simpson. Max Casella is the actor on Who Plays Vinny, the yes. best friend. And that was just me misspeaking. I didn't, I knew that was his name. I just brain farted. We were also both quite convinced that Doogie was 14. Oh yeah, he's actually 16 on the show. But in our defense... Neil Patrick Harris kind of looked like he was 14. Like, he yeah. does not look 16. No. I forgot to look up how old he actually was. We need to look that up because it's very common in TV shows for people to play younger than they are, right. especially with teenagers. Right. He was born in 73, so he was 16 when the show was shot. So he was the age of the character and not a minute older. No. Despite the fact that he looked even younger. Which is amazing for television casting. Yeah, it's unusual. For, for, a, for a child star who looks younger than they are, they would always be cast as younger. And I wonder right. why they went with that choice of, of casting. Maybe they just met him and went, no, this kid's perfect. Who cares if he looks younger? It'll just emphasize how, right. how he's not ready to be a doctor or whatever, you know? Yeah. It's, that, that is unusual, though. I'm kind of surprised. That they went for that. The only other thing we got wrong is I remembered the computer as being, you know, green, the glowing green text on the gray background. And it was, in fact, the white text on a blue background slightly later, which made me wonder when that changeover happened, which I didn't bother to look that part up because that seemed like an, not an easy thing to Google. But I remember green text on a gray background mm -hmm. in first grade, which is when I used my first computer. Right. In like 87 or 88, dating myself slightly. And I mean, it Somebody was... Somebody has to, but I'm... Like, like many of those technological things, like some things 
you know, depending on where you are, like it will hold over longer yeah. or be, you you know, like what, what he had on the show may have been like the brand new hotness. And I wouldn't be surprised. It, it would make sense not only for the character, because they're, they're obviously pretty well off. He and his father are both doctors. Um, so it's unsurprising for him to have a state-of-the-art computer. But also, we noticed in the credits that it said, computers provided by Hewlett Packard. So it was like... <laughs> A big deal that they were like, yeah, we got like a, fan, a real... Nowadays, you get a, um, a MacBook and stick a right. sticker over the apple of a different fruit or something mm-hmm. like that to hide the fact that it's a... Yeah. So you're not giving free advertising for Mac. You draw a banana on a pink post-it. <laughs> exactly. Or it's a really pointed uh, product placement, like right. when Castle got a Windows phone. God, that was tedious. Initial hot takes... Did you like the show, Stranger? I did. I like the 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 first like ten minutes. I was like, "Oh my god, this is gonna be so tedious." But then, kind of once the episode once the episode actually got to sort of some of the emotional core moments, mm-hmm. and also the way in which the episode had certain plot lines play out was defied my expectation, at least based on the kind of show that I thought this was going to be. Yeah, I was expecting this to be much more of a sitcom. Yeah. And it's actually kind of, it, it almost veers in, it's more of a drama than it is a comedy, actually. There are yeah. no jokes. There's there's no laugh track. And yeah. there's not, there's funny moments. Mm-hmm. But the way that there generally are in a drama, it, um, that's not like a psychological thriller or something. Like, there, this show is shot much more like, a family drama and less like a, a sitcom or a, a comedy show, which I was expecting more of a more of a sitcom vibe. Yeah, I was. Yeah. I didn't expect quite so much seriousness, in, especially in the first episode. Yeah, pretty heavy. It had almost like a a mash vibe. Mm. Like it reminded me of that, where like these people are ridiculous people in ridiculous situations, and like the situations around them are funny, and yet they do take their jobs seriously. Yeah, and they're their, like, calling is still taken seriously. Yeah. Uh, MASH definitely had a good balance of silly joke moments uh-huh. and very serious moments. This, I would say, doesn't even go as far into the silly joke moments as MASH did. Yeah. At least in this episode. Like, they really sure. did... in the pilot. Which is one of the things that makes me interested kind of in where this might go because of the, the, the depth of dramatic tension that they were actually willing to go to mm-hmm. in this but enough about that. We'll get to our final verdicts yeah. later. Right now, let's get into that uh, synopsis. For this one, I did kind of a basic one-sentence synopsis. A 16-year-old child genius who graduated med school at 14 and is now a working doctor tries to balance the difficulties of being a kid in an adult's world, losing a patient, and going on his first date. So the actual episode begins, uh, we meet Doogie doing his driver's test. Basic teenager stuff. Uh, his helicopter mom is in the back seat to give us exposition that, oh, this is his, today is his 16th birthday. It would just be a perfect birthday present if he got his, his, his yeah. driver's license. And this very, you know, nerdy uh, DMV employee is like, ma'am, it is already highly irregular for you to be in the car. It's against regulations. Do not exacerbate it further. He's, this, I, this actor just was, made a very strong character choice for a character who's only in the episode for a couple minutes. Yeah, it was. Uh, 
Yeah, that guy, he was really swinging for it mm-hmm. with the, the exacerbate. It was like, it it was like sounded... a word he had learned phonetically in a language he did not speak. Yeah. And he was really trying to say it right. It, it did sound like he was almost like he was worried of saying that word wrong. It's like, exacerbate. The, the DMV employee is then surprised when Doogie, who has been excessively cautious at that point, he waits at a turn where there are literally no other cars for a full minute with his you know, a signal yeah. going. So he's been excessively cautious. All of a sudden, the DMV guy says, oh, it looks like there's an accident up ahead. Let's turn around. Doogie suddenly speeds up. Yeah. Rushes to the scene, pulls over, leaps out of the car, and the guy's like, well, hey, this is highly irregular. Uh, he, then Doogie rushes to uh, save the life of this, like, hit-and-run victim or something. There's just a person, like, conveniently laying in, in the, the middle, middle of the street. Of the street. He immediately susses what's wrong with the guy and that his leg is, like out of some alignment or something and he's going to lose the leg if he doesn't because there's no pulse behind the knee or like he's going to lose the leg if I don't and the two cops are like what are you doing kid get away you're going to you want to get sued and he's like I'll you're going to get sued for interfering or whatever yeah negligence it's weird because he shoves his wallet open wallet as if he's like I have ID to show I'm a doctor the cop then looks at the wallet dumbfounded for several seconds but then we never get to see what he's looking at and he doesn't go you kidding me? This kid's a doctor? We never, there's no, right. he looks at the wall like, like I guess. It's like, what is in there? Psychic paper? Yeah, exactly. I was just going to say. I am I, a doctor. <laughs> Hello, trust. I'm the doctor. Oh my God. NPH for, for the first American doctor. Oh. I'm going on the internet. Yeah. Starting it. Yeah. Hashtag NPH for. Doctor. Old doctor. Old doctor. He's been a young doctor. It's time for him to be an old doctor. Oh, oh my gosh. That and needs to at least be an SNL sketch. Come on. These two cops, like, I immediately, uh, th- th- there's mustache cop and non-mustache cop. Sure. Uh, it was and, 1989. And I had to go look them up. Non-mustache cop is played by Jeremy Roberts, who is a fantastic uh, character actor who often plays uh, cops or, like, low-level street thugs in just about everything. The one that I remember most seeing him in, uh, he was uh, in uh, The Mask as like one of the thugs. What? And he, uh, he's he been on uh, Buffy and Angel, like all the Joss Whedon shows as like thug number two, except in Buffy he played uh, Kakistos the vampire. I, but like he's just been around I've forever. S- I was a huge Jim Carrey fan girl as a kid. I've seen yeah. The Mask a million times. Yeah. I can't believe you recognize someone from that movie and I didn't. I... I mean, I'm just yeah. across the board surprised that on this podcast so far, you have been the one more likely than me to go, ooh, I recognize this little character actor. Right. When I, like, one of my defining characteristics as a human being is I have really good facial recognition software. <laughs> like, anyway, who, who did you, where'd you know Mustache Cop from? Mustache Cop was played by Neil Flynn, who is most well known as the janitor on Scrubs. And the dad from that show, The Middle. Which, oh my! Yep. No. Yes. Oh my God! I can't believe I didn't recognize yeah. him. As and soon as he said Neil Flynn, I went, "Wait a minute! I know that name." Yeah. And it's the same. It's the same. He had the same mustache as Mustache Cop that he had uh, when he was playing a cop in the uh, nineteen ninety three Harrison Ford movie, The Fugitive. Mustache Cop. Oh my God. Right. I can't believe I didn't recognize him. I mean, the mustache will, will throw you off. 
Right. He doesn't have a mustache in any of his more recent roles, but wow. But it was it was fun like it was funny because like to see these two like kind of somewhat well-known character actors in the very first scene yeah. like this, I was like, they are these get, guys you know, going to be around more? Yeah. Yeah. But the, yeah, they're just, they're, it's a very one and done like. Uh, something that I have always referred to as the law and order rule. Right. Which is when you meet a throwaway character early in the episode, but it's an actor you recognize, you know they're going to come back later. Right. That rule is so ingrained in our heads that when we see a recognizable actor, but in an early role where they're playing a throw, an actual throwaway character, our brain goes, well, this person must come back later because right. we recognize Neil Flynn. But Neil Flynn was nobody in 1989. Exactly. So it's, a, it's, a, it's a false positive. Right. All right, that picture is going on our Instagram. That's amazing. It's quite oh. a mustache, too. We end the scene with uh, the dumb founded DMV employee going, who is this kid? And mom says proudly, that's my son, the doctor. <laughs> It's the only way that could have been cheesier if she'd gone, why, that's Doogie Hauser, MD, straight to camera. <laughs> Title of the show. Like, that's the only way that scene could have been cheesier. Oh, my gosh. I was just thinking about how you would do that now in, in modern, like, with a modern, like, uh, 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 CW show. Mm -hmm. It's like, who is this kid? And then it cuts to the title card, Doogie Hauser. like, <laughs> Oh, actually, that would have been good, cutting straight to the... Because we do then cut immediately to the credit sequence, of course, which is I Was Right, the yep. instrumental synth theme song, which is surprisingly slow and kind of sedate. Yeah. You expect... I guess shows now are more likely to have a big, like, like jazzy or, like, action-y, kind of like... Duh, 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 yeah. duh, duh, duh. Fun stuff's gonna happen in the show. Excitement and adventure, which this is not that and kind was, of show, but... It was but more the careless whisper like, end of the spectrum. Doo, 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 doo. It was even slower than I remembered. Yeah. Although, I remembered why I know that theme song. Because when I was a kid, somehow I came across a copy of a CD that was like 60 TV theme songs from the 70s, 80s, and 90s, whenever it, mm -hmm. it came out, the disc came out. And I, for some reason, found it very entertaining. And I listened to it. So I know the theme songs of a lot of shows I've never seen. I know the songs very well, despite the fact that I've well, there you never go. seen the show. So that's why I knew it very well. But also, this intro sequence is kind of amazing. Because we start with the, the theme song over a bunch of newspaper clippings uh -huh. on like a bulletin board. And we're panning over them that say things like, Whiz Kid completes high school in nine weeks. Princeton graduates 10-year-old prodigy. 14-year-old passes medical board. Kid doctor delivers baby in shopping mall. It's like the visual equivalent of sit right back and you'll hear a tale. Yeah. It's like we get his whole story basically visually. That's, yeah. I think that's the best I've ever seen that done with visual cues. That's the only example I can think of that really sells the concept of the show with a bunch of visual cues. Because then it goes immediately to the classic, like, here's a, a, a moment of, the, of an actor on screen they yeah, just turn do, around and smiling they, or something. They smile, they, 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 they react in surprise, and then it freezes. It's like two seconds of moving, and then they freeze with the name over the, right. over the screen. It's a very weird thing that was very common at the time, but now looks very odd. We are introduced to, you know, the mom, the dad, Vinny, Max Casella, uh, and two doctors and a nurse from the hospital. Oh, also, we both noticed in the credits it says one of the executive producers is David E. Kelly. Uh -huh. And we both recognized the name but couldn't pin him down. But right. then we looked him up and went, oh, duh. This guy's done a million shows. A, a million shows. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Although, the I, I looked at his Wikipedia and the full list, I was like, 
Oh, L.A. Law, sure. Picket Fences, of course. Chicago Hope, The Practice, Ally McBeal, Boston Public, and Boston Legal. I've heard of all these shows. And then Harry's Law and Mr. Mercedes? Mm -hmm. Also in the list. Neither of which I've ever heard of. Well, there you go. I mean, obviously we need to do uh, some, some more David yeah. Kelly on this podcast. Maybe we need to look up the pilot for Mr. Mercedes, whatever the hell that is. Was it the Stephen King? Because I know Stephen I know. King has a character called Mr. Mercedes. Oh, maybe maybe they made it. Maybe it's like a TV movie. After the opening credits, mm -hmm. we move on to our first scene, uh, seeing Doogie like in his doctoring yeah. uh, situation. And we get this Sorkin-style hallway walk and talk where you have Doogie sort of leading the pack of doctors, like spouting off medical jargon, just like... And he has a mitocardial encephalitic drainage. And I, I yeah. uh, did this medical treatment and provided him with this medication and da 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 da. Yeah, he does a big thing where it's like, look at him. He's a he's being a real doctor over here, and adult doctors are like listening to him and yeah. everything. And then they they go into a ward, and the the ward has all kids in it, and and then Doogie like pulls out a squirt gun and has this like little squirt gun fight with some of the kids in the ward who also have squirt guns. So it's kind of this thing where it's like, oh, he's really competent, but he's also still a kid, so he's better at connecting with the kid patients. Yeah, like this than, is clearly an established thing where he has yeah. like water gun fights with these kids on the rag or whatever, and it's it's very cute. And he also, like, his, like this kind of contributes to him having good bedside manner where he can address the kids, like, on their level because he's still a kid, whereas some of the adult doctors are like, no, listen to me, young man. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, he, you know, they're they're very like, uh, they're very kind of cold almost. And Doogie's like, "Yo, dude." Yeah, yeah. We go over to um, after the squirt gun fight. We go to the basic, the main plot, uh, or one of the main plots of the episode, which is this young kid. I I can't remember what they said his age was, but it was like eight or ten yeah. at most, um, who's been recently uh, admitted to the hospital with some kind of heart problems, and I think they said like renal failure or something. It's pretty serious. Yeah, and. Uh, the main, the head doctor, who I refer to as Dr. Mustache, uh -huh. because he's got a name, it's like Dr. Josephson or something like that, and it's like, who cares, he's Dr. Mustache. Yes. He's the, the, the stoic, older doctor with a mustache. Right. It's, I think people who've seen the show will know who I mean. And he's like, well, young man, you're not feeling very well, are you? Which, yeah, great. <laughs> great way to approach a young kid who's terrified and in the hospital. Yeah, yeah. You're not feeling very well, are you? No, I'm not. Thanks for pointing it out. So there's a there's a stark contrast between him yes. being like, "Well, young man," and Doogie being like, "Hey, dude, it's gonna be okay. No worries. Yeah. We're gonna we're gonna fix you right up." So, also in that scene, he introduces the kid to all of the doctors. He goes, "Hey, David, or whatever the kid's name was. This is Doctor Whatever. One of the doctors, swear to God, he said Doctor Cheeseball. He did." But he said more names than doctors who were present. It was like he was making a joke for the kid. There's nobody who's actually named Dr. Cheeseball. It sounded like he said the exact number of names as there were to doctors credit or on the oh. bed to me. Yeah, there's def it he was seemed to point to joke. the woman, the first woman, which uh -huh. is like Dr. Cheeseball. Maybe it was just like a joke that was like, oh, those aren't actually their names. Right. But he didn't make up silly names for the rest of them, only Dr. Cheeseball. I don't yep. know. I was confused. I'm like, did I mishear that? But He's also, so competent, you're like, of course, Dr. Cheeseball. In the next scene, though, Doogie goes from, hey, man, no worries, you're going to be right as rain, to Doogie and Dr. Mustache arguing with the head of the hospital. Yeah. Because Dr. Mustache wants to attempt a heart transplant for the kid, like, right away, and Doogie's arguing the kid's too weak to survive surgery. Doogie's very 
head up about it. He's very emotional about it. And Dr. Mustache is, you know, he resents his years of experience being questioned by a snot-nosed kid genius. And the head of the hospital is obviously, like, sympathetic to Doogie's right. stance. But he ultimately says, okay, you both have valid points, but I'm siding with Dr. Dr. Mustache. Uh, and then Doogie kind of flies off the handle. Like, You're going to kill him. And the head doctor says, Dr. Hauser, you will behave. <laughs> Showing that even though he was sympathetic and he, he respects Doogie's expertise, he still can, you know, treat yeah. him like a kid. And then Doogie's like, don't talk to me like you're my father. And you're like, not. And storms yeah, out of the room. Like slams the door. Yeah. So then uh, we cut to Doogie at home and he's in his bedroom and it's like sort of this normal messy teenager bedroom. But then there's like posters of like medical charts and things like around too. So yeah. it's like. I feel like they went out of their way to make it extra messy to be like, see, he's a genius, but he's still got a messy bedroom. Just like any teenage boy. I feel yeah. like they went a little overboard. Also, there was a giant plastic cram. What was with giant plastic crayons in the late eighties, early nineties? That was I, I remember think that they thing. accidentally made too many of them, and they're like, I "What are we gonna do with it?" Yeah, like at carnivals, you'd get like a bank mm -hmm. that was a giant, giant plastic, plastic cram. cram. Yeah. <laughs> Why was that a thing? I have no idea. Uh, Doogie is at his computer, and he's writing in his diary, which is uh, blue text on a white screen. Mm -hmm. And excuse me, <laughs> white text on a blue screen. Sorry, get it right. Shit. Damn it. Uh, We're going to have Twitter's going to be all a flutter over don't that. At, don't, don't at me. Uh, he's typing a diary entry and the his voiceover is reading the diary entry to us. Sure, and he's like, classic. Uh, today is my birthday and I just got my driver's license and passed my driver's test, which means that I'll be able to drive uh, this girl, Wanda, to the dance. And she is the most beautiful girl The, the ever. prettiest the most beautiful. Oh, tell me more. Yeah. <laughs> what other qualities does she have, Doogie? Yeah. Um, and as he's writing notes about it, how excited he is to take this girl to the dance, we see a spooky monster hand creeping over the top of the computer, and he's surprised by his buddy Vinny in a spooky, you know, like a, a zombie monster, mask. zombie monster yeah. costume. Goes like ah, creeping in his window. Sam from Clarissa explains it all style. Yeah. I know this predates that show, but that's my point of reference for people creeping in windows. Saved by the Bell, too. Yeah. That was just a thing yeah. in the 80s and 90s. Best friends crept in each other's windows. Well, yeah. Sure. Because you don't use the door? What no. are you, the hoi polloi? <laughs> You're best friends. Yeah, straight through the window. Speaking of straight through the window, Vinny gets straight to the point, and he's like, oh my gosh, the girl that I'm going on a date with to the dance gives. gives. He says... Like, newsflash, Doogie, uh, Susie, whatever, gives. And Doogie goes, no way. And he goes, sex, Doogie. He's like, he doesn't go, give what? He goes, no way. Like, he knows what he means. Yeah. And then he goes, immediately goes, sex, Doogie. And, like, let's be clear, Max Casella also looks no more than the 16 his character is supposed to be. Yeah. Um, and he looked, he looked very young. Like, I'm pretty sure Max Casella was supposed to be about 16 or 17 in... Newsies, mm -hmm. which was only three years later, but he looks younger in this yes. show for sure. Oh, wow. Excuse me. I just looked up Max Casella. Yeah. How old was... He was 22. Oh, my. No way. That... Wait, am I doing the math wrong? What year was he born? born in 67. 67. 77, 87. 22. 22. I thought... I, I, I was like, I bet it was going to turn out he's a more classic... 
older playing right. a younger. But I didn't expect him to be 22. He definitely does not look 22. No. He looked older than Doogie, but not that much. No. How weird for them to cast a 16-year-old who doesn't even look 16 as a 16-year-old. Right. And then a 22-year-old as his best friend. At least it wasn't noticeable. It wasn't like uh, Gabriella Carteris on... Yeah. 90210. I think, like I think somebody mom. has an embarrassing karaoke video of David E. Kelly and they're like, you you better cast my my kid, Vin, <laughs> Vinny. He's perfect. He looks the yeah. part. It's not weird. When they right. later go to the school at the dance, everyone at the dance, except for the three speaking characters, looks like they're in their 20s. Yeah. It's weird. All of the background care actors uh-huh. look like early 20s. Yeah. Early uh, to mid 20s, to be honest. Uh, f- uh, what was her name again? Wanda. Fun fact, that actress was 17 when they filmed the episode. Oh. So actually... So she was the appropriate age as well. Uh-huh. Hmm. So then Vinny has uh, told Doogie that this girl gives, and then he starts teasing Doogie about the fact that Doogie has never even kissed a girl. Yeah. And then Doogie responds by, like, laying out his whole plan. Like, he's got a plan. He's like, during a slow dance, I'm going to lean in. I'm going to sniff her hair and tell her it smells good. Yeah. Girls, girls love, love getting sniffed. sniffed. The way he says it, though, is so great because you'd expect him to say, girls love getting sniffed. Like he's imparting, like, yeah. bet you don't know this, Vinny, yeah. but girls love getting sniffed. And say he goes, girls love getting sniffed, as we all know. It has yeah. an as we all know tone. Like, I'm going to sniff her hair. Girls love getting sniffed. As yeah. <laughs> as, as we all know, yeah. girls love getting sniffed. Moving on. And the- <laughs> And then he's like, I'm going to, I'm going to lick her like. Medical term for yeah, earlobe. Like medulia, majora. Aglyglia. And then he goes, you're going to do that in public? It's your earlobe, stupid. Let's fucking yeah. say earlobe. Come on. You know your friends are not a doctor. Just say earlobe. Oh. But it's another little, like, hey, it's a doctor moment. Yeah. Uh, then he says he'll go in. If she doesn't pull back from the earlobe licking, he knows he can go in for a big, big wet, wet one. Big <laughs> <laughs> unsexiest term ever and then they are then interrupted by dad this was this was my favorite part of the episode because the the doogie like looks up and is like oh hi uh, dad like oh, hi dad uh, nothing know, like, we're not talking those, about anything we've yeah. never spoken anything one of in those, our entire like, lives how long have you been standing there yeah. moments from like a sitcom or something <laughs> where someone is overheard and then uh the dad's like well, what are you boys talking about and Vinny is like we're just talking oh, about... Oh, nothing, Dr. Hauser. Yeah. He has a very proper tone yeah. and calls him Dr. Hauser. He doesn't go like, oh, yeah, hey, Doc H, or whatever. Yeah. He's very like, oh, nothing, Dr. Hauser. Uh, 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 Doogie was just telling me about how he's going to, and then describes two people kissing in like a really graphic and weird yeah, way. Yeah, he's going to like... He's going to part... He's just telling me how he's going to part his dates, supple yeah. lips with his probing pubescent tongue. Or yeah. Something. It's really <laughs> gross. And, but with a straight face. And the dad's like... Totally stone-faced. And he backs out of the oh, room slowly. <laughs> like, very slow. This is like... What it, this I was, didn't remember. That was the moment I decided I was laughing so hard. Because he just, like... He backed out totally slow. And it's played totally serious. Yeah. He doesn't him. back out, like, Homer backing into the bushes. Yeah. Like, he just kind of is like... Okay, I'm gonna walk uh, yeah, away from yeah. this situation. I, I have I, nothing here. I must remove myself. Oh, yeah. So, it was great. Also, I want to point out that it's just so, it's, I mean, and pointedly and on purpose, it's so obvious that Vinny is the last person on the planet who's ready to have sex. He's oh, like yeah. arguably less mature than, than Doogie is, even though he maybe has more experience. Yeah. He says she gives and 
you're jealous because I'm going to get sex and you've never even kissed a girl. I'm oh, going to get sex. Yeah, and no one says that. Some of that some of that exchange, too, Doogie's like, well, what about the girl that you said you were going to do all this with last at the last dance or whatever? And he's, and like, he's like, oh, oh she, I, was a, she was in the bag. She totally would have yeah. done it if I hadn't puked on her shoes. Yeah. And it, it, this was one of the things that, like, so often I, I feel like in media like this, like, these conversations can feel, like, a little, like, a little gross. Yeah. Or whatever. But, like, in terms of, like, the kind of the world of this is, like, this is just two, like you said, two adolescent boys who, like, don't know. They don't know what they're talking about. They're yeah. both clearly trying to talk a big game. Like, but, even yeah, the way Doogie's Vinny's, like, girls love being smelled. Like, yeah. Doogie's version of talking a big game is, I've kissed tons of girls. Yeah. And then when he's like, who? He's like, uh, Wanda tomorrow night. He admits, like, yeah. right away. Yeah. His version of talking big is, I've kissed tons of girls, and then immediately admitting yeah. he hasn't. And saying things like, as we all know, girls love getting sniffed. Vinny's version of talking a big game is, I'm going to get sex. But he admits he hasn't yet. I'm know. going to get two sex. <laughs> Excuse me? <laughs> Garçon? <laughs> Three sex, please? Uh, anyway, we then move on to dinner that night at home. Doogie and his parents. Doogie gets his birthday present, which is a fancy calculator. Which, it's funny because the scene reads a little weird because he doesn't go like, oh, wow, a yeah. XLQ27000. It's the best calculator on the market. He doesn't talk it up or anything. Yeah. He just opens the box and we see it. And we are supposed to attune that this is a very fancy calculator that he has wanted for a long time. But by 2018 standards, it looks like a junky old piece of garbage. So yeah. it's like, it's a, it's, it's a weird moment, but only because we're watching it today. Yeah. I have to note, what is this? The 1950s, white tablecloth, cut crystal wine glasses. Mom's wearing a nice skirt and blouse with her hair done. Dad still has his jacket and tie on at the dinner table. It's like, this it seems was... to convey they are bougie as hell. The, well, and I mean... Yes, but also this uh, was made in the late 80s when there was a lot, like the 80s, there was a lot of nostalgia for the 50s, like, because everything goes in those 30-year cycles, so yeah. there's a lot of, like, how do we encode that there's, like, a happy nuclear family kind of home life for him, mm. and it's that like, oh, it's a tablecloth or thing, because, yeah, the mom's, yeah. like, even wearing, like, a freaking apron, like, it I looks know, like she's not wearing an apron, she's wearing, like, a nice blouse and skirt, yeah, I but, noted it. Yeah, it's like... I was like... It, what did she cook in that outfit? Yeah, it looks like the 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 you know it looks like a scene from like a Christmas story or some other like 1950s set thing. Yeah. You're right, but, like that. but not like they were doing it on purpose, in my no. opinion. It maybe they were, but it didn't look like they weren't making a joke. Anyway, no, it wasn't silly. But it she was just part of the visual language of the period of time when this was yeah. made. Yeah. Anyway, Doogie goes on to ask his dad if he can borrow his dad's car for the dance. Says, you know, what's wrong with your mother's car? Well, mom's car's a crummy old station wagon. It has a bad radio. And dad's like, no, 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 you just got your license. You need more driving experience before you drive my car. And I thought it was kind of weird. They don't say what kind of car his dad has. Even a yeah. vague comment like, but dad, your car's so much cooler. Or, yeah, but come on, dad, I want to impress a girl. It's a convertible. Yeah. Something like that. Instead, he just says... No, you have to drive your mom's car. I don't think you're right to drive my car. And we yeah. are just supposed to attune that in 1989, a doctor would have a much nicer car. That dad has his car and mom has her car. And right. dad's car is nice. And mom's car is a crummy old station wagon because she's a housewife. It was just weird that they didn't... We didn't get that embedded expo log. Yeah. 
where you go, come on, Dad, I gotta press this girl. Your car is cool. Mom's right. is not done. That's all they needed. It's, Instead, it's just your car, my car. We don't get anything. And I just it made me uncomfortable in a very like, oh, the eighties. And it way. was just, I mean, that 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 is like a version of a scene that plays out all the time in youth, like. I know, yeah. I know you didn't get the driver's license thing when you were 16, but like, I did for, not. <laughs> for me, that was definitely a thing that like, not across, you know, my mom and my dad, the gender lines, but like, there was the car that my, my parents had that was like the nice car mm-hmm. that like was what we drove to church on Sunday or like, it, you know, if my parents wanted to like take my gran out for a drive in the country, like the nice car. And then there was the like, this is the car we trust you to be driving. Yeah. You saying that like it made you feel uncomfortable because it was it was so odd because it was written like one of those scenes where it's like, well, we all know what this is like. Like we've all had this experience. Sure, but I yet, still expected there to be that shorthand yeah. of your car is nicer. Yeah, there, and that was never expressed in any yeah. way. It was just like mom's car sucks. I want your car, but not your car. Like, Dad's car, Dad's obviously better. Obviously. I don't even have to address it. Anyway, we don't have to. I, yeah. I didn't want to make a big deal about it. I just was like. No, it's oh, super weird. odd. Yeah. It, and I think because of how well a lot of the other moments kind of play out, that one stood out to me as being confusing. Yeah. Particularly given, like, when we get a little bit more of a window on their relationship later and how the dad treats him in a later situation. Yeah. It was it was a bit confusing. It just seemed kind of like it's like, he has arguments with his parents like a normal kid. Well, but, like, I the definitely... argument felt odd. I think there was a very specific... Because then mom comes in with a birthday cake. Uh-huh. Mom, who has missed this little exchange, comes in with a birthday cake lit with candles and singing happy birthday, but the mood is already spoiled. Yeah. Doogie is arms crossed, downcast. She says, make a wish. And he goes, I already did. Dad said no. And, like, he's angry at being denied the car. His dad is very strict and very stern with him. Mm-hmm. It's obvious they're conveying in the scene. They're not letting him get away with anything just because he's a child genius. He's right. like... It's ridiculous for you to treat me with disrespect just because I chronologically happen to be 16. And he's like, hey, being a genius does not mean you have emotional maturity. Right. And you need experience, life experience for that. So, you know, it, it's, it seems to be like, look, he's, it's painfully obvious that he's an only child in this scene. Mm-hmm. Just the way that they're like serving him the cake and they're both singing and he's just sitting there with his arms crossed. You just feel how much he's an only yeah. child. And he's probably been given everything he could possibly want in a... Um, in an opportunity sense, but this scene is conveying, yeah. they don't let him get away with shit. They don't right. give him, they haven't bought him a car. Right. They didn't buy him a car for his 16th birthday. He could probably buy himself a car with his, I mean, he's a doctor, so. Yeah, that was my other thought of that. I was like, well, why, just buy your own car. That's the thing is, his parents me. are absolutely in yeah. control of his money right. if he's only 16. So then we cut to the next scene. Doogie is in the ER doing stitches. And the patient is shouting about, this is a child, this is negligence, this isn't a real doctor, well, I'm going to sue you for, yeah. this is ridiculous. And Doogie, very calmly, while he's doing the stitches, basically reveals he knows enough about the law to kind of shoot this guy down. This guy is like, I'm going to sue you. And he goes, well, as an attorney, you would know that. And then lays out all of the legal reasons yeah. why he doesn't have a leg to stand on and he can't sue him. They can't, he can't sue the hospital because his doctor was a teenager. And he goes, anyway, I'm done. And yeah. he's finished the stitches and the guy's like, oh. Yeah, it looks pretty good. Maybe I won't sue. And then he, and then yeah, he has this little crack about like, well, the statute of limitations for malpractice is three years. If you so change like, your mind, yeah. yeah, it's like it's a nice super, little, yeah. yeah. So he knows he knows all the things, and yeah. the the nurse then goes, "Are you a lawyer as well, Duke?" And he goes, "No, I just read all the books." This is what he does when he's not busy being going through med school. He right. also read all of the law books yeah. as well. 
So then uh, <laughs> Nurse Blondie is like, yeah, oh, we have a few free minutes. Will you, will you walk over here with me? Yeah. And I, yeah, again, I didn't catch her name, but she's Nurse Blondie. She's yeah. the pretty nurse. And she then takes Doogie's hand, which I already thought was a little odd, yeah. um, unprofessional, and leads him then... They're shown, she leads him into like a dark room, like an unused In, room. A dark operating theater. Yeah. Yeah. And, and she's like, starts talking to him and immediately, I think we both went, oh, this must be a dream sequence. Because she's like, yeah. Doogie, we're friends, right? Friends share things with each other. And immediately she's saying things like, I like younger men. I always have. And she's being like seductive. We're like, oh, this is going to be an awkward dream sequence. Yeah. And he's going to wake up. Something's gonna go. It, it. She'll be all sexy towards him, and then hopefully she doesn't actually kiss him because this is an adult woman playing this character. But I was expecting she's gonna say something weird, like "There is something I have to tell you, Doogie," which is the forecast is eighty six right, degrees today. Right, exactly. And then he wakes up, and it's the radio waking him up in the morning or something, but and he's you know yeah. it's an awkward moment. But no. She like takes his pants off. Too. She goes as far as to literally suggest they have sex. She has her body pressed up against his. She undoes his scrub pants yeah. and they fall around his ankles. You see, he's just wearing boxers underneath. He's like awkward, confused. He's not like super into it, but he's also like kind of breathing heavy because he's, you know, yeah. he's a teenager full of hormones. And it's like this scene is getting increasingly uncomfortable by the second. We're both waiting for it to be revealed as a dream. And then she says, but before we do this, Doogie, I just have to tell you one thing. And I'm waiting for the yeah. reveal that it's right. actually, he's sleeping. And she goes, happy birthday, Doogie. The lights go on and everybody's, all the rest of the doctors and nurses yeah. are watching from like the operating theater windows at the top. Yeah. They've got a big banner that says, happy birthday, Doogie. They're all singing happy birthday to him. He pulls his pants on and storms out of the room. And I'm Rightfully screaming, so. I'm screaming, this is child abuse. <laughs> that is so it's 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 bizarre because that's not a fun wacky prank yeah even on a fellow adult it's in questionable taste not just someone significantly younger than you a minor like i'm kind of horrified that they did that scene that was in my opinion wholly inappropriate there, and there's nothing like had they already established that there was like this ongoing prank war or something like that like it or would at least established, made... it maybe even established that he kind of had a crush on this nurse They'd never interacted yeah. yet in the there's, show. There's, there, that's, I think, why it feels so bizarre and strange. It comes out of like, nowhere. It happens. And it's this and the argument with the dad. It's like there's these two things where it's like, we're just expected to go with it because this is how this is or yeah, I something. Thought the, I thought the dad scene worked. It worked for me anyway. But this was like yeah. too extreme. I Maybe they could have gotten away if she'd taken him to a dark room and then without getting physical with him, right. done some kind of... Do you have to confess I'm in love with you or yeah. something? And he's like, what? And she goes, surprise! If she yeah. had immediately turned and shown it was a joke and she hadn't gotten physical with him, it wouldn't be one thing. But it goes on it for at goes least on very two long. or three minutes. Yeah. It's, it's a very long... She gets physical. She takes his pants off. Like, it is sick and wrong. I am very upset with the 80s. That is <laughs> not okay. I'm going on the record. That I'm is being not upset okay. with the 80s. <laughs> Go home, 80s. You're coked up. We then cut to what is, I guess, later in the day or the next day. It's the next day, they say, yeah. Uh, Doogie is alone in the morgue, like, working on something on a microscope. And Nurse Blondie and Dr. Hunk. <laughs> Who has uh, appeared in a previous scene. He's young. He's handsome. He's got floppy, late 80s hair. Yep. 
He kind of almost looks like a, he pro that actor probably played a lot of like surfers. He just, I expected him to actually be like a nurse or orderly as well, but they, I think he called him a doctor. Yeah. You know what, actually? He called, I thought he called him a doctor in that scene where he called somebody Dr. Cheeseball. So I bet he's not a doctor because he's wearing scrubs. Mm. I think he's an orderly or a nurse as well. Or maybe a med student, like a, um. Oh, like hey, a, what do they call it when you're, yeah. An intern or something like that. Or like you're the last year of med school or something. Like probationary. Yeah. There's probies. No, there's. There's a word for it. There's a special word for it in right. hospitals. Anyway, Dr. Hunk and Nurse Blondie come in and they're like, hey, Doogie, we're sorry. We just like, we were just playing a prank. And like, sometimes we forget how old you are because you're such a good doctor. Which is such a bullshit line. I couldn't read whether we were supposed to think that was kind of a weak excuse on right. Dr. Hunk's part. Because he says, it's just that you're such a good doctor. We forget you're 16, which, bullshit. He looks like he's 12. Come on. Yeah. Nobody forgets that kid is 16. Yeah. Nobody. If he was 20 or 21 and they were all in their 30s, it'd be one thing to be like, I'm sorry, we always forget you're so young. Yeah. No. He is visibly a child. And she then says, I just would really hate if I ruined our friendship. A friendship I really value. And it's like, are you hitting on him again, what girl? You, yeah, what you, Simmer down. Yeah. Yeah. This is not a, the time for this. And Dr. Hunt goes, he's like, are you sure? He says... He's like, it's fine. Very curt. Yeah. Do he doesn't go, are you sure? Obviously, he's not sure. Wow, you are the worst, Dr. Hunk. You yeah. are bad at emotions and people. Because then he goes, yeah, yeah, obviously, I'm fine. Whatever. And he's like, all right, cool. <laughs> Great. Yeah. Glad to know you're over it. And then he goes you, over. To <laughs> and he goes, to, he goes, all right, you said uh, bed eight or whatever, yeah. or drawer eight. He pulls out the body, checks the toe, and goes, ah, no toe tag. How does so many bodies end up in this? And he pulls off the sheet from the person. Oh, head. my God, it's Vinny it's wearing Vinny the zombie the mask. mask. Ah, got him. <laughs> Nurse Blondie and Dr. Hunk are both <laughs> terrified. Yeah. Vinny immediately leaps out of the bed, pulls off the mask. He and Doogie high five and are like, ah. That was perfect. And Doogie goes, come on, guys, lighten up. It was just a prank. And they both giggle as they run out. And it's, it's, the scene reads very, it's like, he got him back. That absolutely does not make up for what they did to him. But apparently the 80s thought it did. Right. Whereas if that had been the first prank, you know, if there had been like multiple pranks leading up to the one where they then crossed the line and then they're yeah. apologizing, it makes more sense. But like. There could have been an entire episode about there being a, a bit of a prank war between him and the other doctors and they forget he's a kid and go too far with one of the pranks. Yeah. Like her kind of pretending to seduce him. Yeah. That could have been a thing where they were like, and especially if they had apologized and gone, I'm sorry, you're right. Well, we went too far because we forgot for a moment that you're a kid and it's because we respect you as a doctor. I I, I don't know. That doesn't totally make up for it, but yeah, we, we apologize. But their apology was weak as hell. Yeah. I do not accept it. Uh, then from that lighthearted, wacky scene, uh, we go to a rather serious scene where Doogie is visiting the kid patient mm -hmm. with the, the heart, heart problem. Yeah. The kid is scared. Uh-huh. Um, but Doogie shares his backstory. We get a nice bit of expologue here, uh, which fit. Because he tells the kid, you know, I was really sick when I was a kid. I had leukemia when I was four. And then again, when I, I almost died from it when I was six. And he got better. <laughs> Like, that's pretty serious. Leukemia, like... Yeah. That can... Uh, you don't just get cured of leukemia all the time. Sometimes it comes back. Right. But he says, basically, and that's what made me want to become a doctor. 
So it's kind of, I was sick as a child, and then I decided to be a doctor. Conveniently, I was a genius, so I did it real fast. It also does add a little bit more, like... I guess, believability to the fact that he was like allowed to go on this insane course of completing med school at 14. I, because, I feel like, like I've heard of stories of, of kid geniuses who like, yeah, complete college. And I don't know yeah. about becoming a doctor necessarily, because that is pretty serious business. But I don't think they go, I don't know, he's a kid, but he did almost die one time. So we'll let him be a doctor. Yeah, but just it's not like a make a wish like, foundation hooks you up with a with a with a pass on the medical board. Test. No, but I think just like that, that the fa- the childhood illness thing paired with his parents being somewhat supportive but it, like i think it just kind of maybe set a tone for a relationship where they're like hey he has something to look forward to like keep keep going like yeah. we'll keep supporting this i just read it the first time they referred to his dad as dr hauser i was like oh so this is a dad's a doctor as soon as the kid reveals himself to be a genius at a young age they right. go you should be a doctor just like your dad and because he's young enough to be kind of impressionable that's what he goes into right that kind of made sense for me so it seemed kind of unnecessary for this additional backstory of he was sick but it worked for why he identifies so strongly with this kid right like, who's who's also sick the scene ends with him promising the kid that he will be there for the kid's transplant surgery yeah he's he says, gonna be there are you for kidding him. i wouldn't miss it for the world yeah then we cut to from that serious scene, again, another lighthearted, wacky scene, a hilarious getting ready for the dance montage to the backing track of Tone Loke's Wild Thing, which is a song that is explicitly about sex. Slightly weird choice, but I looked it up and it was like number two on the Billboard Hot 100 uh, earlier that year. Okay, so it was so, like, like very when they, current. Yeah, pretty much. The, the, the pilot aired in September, and uh, according to Wikipedia, it was on the Billboard Hot 100 number two in February. Uh-huh. So that's about when they probably were shooting this episode. About so the turnaround. Yeah. It was a big hot song. They just picked a popular song and just and that was kind of like, hey, I'm a cool guy moment, uh, and just took the sexy lyrics right. out. So it's just the while he's combing his hair and getting dressed, pulling his baggy 80s oh pants over his baggy 80s boxers. He's wearing a black shirt and black pants with a tan jacket, and it's all too big for him. And white socks. It's, yeah. And then he pulls a, bo- a shoebox out of the closet uh-huh. and pulls out brand new white sneakers, just the 80sest, biggest, poofiest white sneakers. Oh my gosh. That, of course, he would pair these big, poofy white sneakers with his black-on-black black, right. you know, dance ensemble right. because wearing cool sneakers was cool in high school. Not It, it still is, I think. Not wearing, right. like, shiny dress shoes. Then we go right to the dance where everybody looks like they're in their 20s. Yeah. And uh, Vinny immediately reveals that he threw up on his date again. And she is in the bathroom cleaning up. So funny. Yeah. It's just, it's so funny because he's the confident, street smart one, but he's... Still failed. Apparently even worse with women than Doogie is. Uh, And then the date, Wanda, returns. And we both thought she looked familiar. Uh Uh-huh. But we looked her up. The actress, uh, Lisa Dean Ryan, honestly, she wasn't in much else besides this show. Um, And I I think it was just, you sussed it out, that that was just a look in the late 80s of yeah. like a, a romantic interest. She looked very Italian, I want to say. Mm-hmm. She didn't have an Italian name. I feel like that's a thing, though. When people in current shows mm-hmm. go, oh, I remember my first kiss or my first crush, and they mention, the, of course, the full name of the girl because that's like a thing. Mm-hmm. When you mention someone from your childhood, you always use their full name. Right. And 
I feel like an Italian name is a thing. Oh, they'll say, ah, oh, Jenna Scaramucci. Yeah. Oh, I remember Tanya Taglioni or something like that. It's always like, for some reason, that's a thing. Genevieve Fettuccini. <laughs> Whereas Italian girls sexy in the 80s were they just like hot? I don't know. It, that is a thing, she though. She kind of looked like another actress. I absolutely, I still, I looked her up hoping she, it would be that actress. There's just like a look of that time period. There are a lot of things about the show that indicate that it's kind of like the end of, of the 80s time period of things where a lot of that stuff had been distilled almost. Yeah. Like, like the getting ready montage is something like very much like something from the film Big or whatever. Like it just felt like very of that era. So then Doogie and her start dancing. Yeah, she actually shows up and is like, oh, I'm back. Can we dance to this one, Doogie? And you're like, honestly, I was expecting a little more. I was sort of surprised that he already had a date with this girl. We didn't have to watch him awkwardly ask her out. Like it right. was just already established that that they were had a date. And I was wondering, oh, when we see them together, is she going to be like kind of not into it? Like, oh, I agreed to go with this guy because he's like a doctor and that's kind of cool or whatever. But she seems from the get-go super into him, which is yeah. kind of nice. It's refreshing that instead of her being like, ugh, whatever. And then they start dancing and she immediately goes, thanks for coming to the dance with me. And he's like, oh, thanks for asking me. And you're like, oh, she asked him, which makes sense. She goes to this high school, obviously. Uh -huh. He does not. Right. He's not in high school. And then she's like, my friends think it's really cool that you're a doctor. That must be really exciting. And she's obviously into him and it's really cute. Yeah. Then he goes in for his patented sniff compliment lick kiss combo. You're ready for it to be. Yeah. You're ready for it to just go ridiculous. Yeah. He does. He leans over and instead of just inhaling deeply and being like, your hair smells so good. He goes. <laughs> like he's smelling yeah. someone's spaghetti sauce. And then he goes, your, your hair smells good. And she's like, oh, thank you. She's actually like, thinks it's nice. And then he kind of pushes her hair back and kind of, it is awkward, right? He kind of yeah. awkwardly goes for the lick, but he doesn't. I was just expecting a more gross thing where he gets his tongue like all the way in her ear and she's like, the hell are you doing? Yeah. Instead, he just gives a little bit of a tentative lick. Honestly, when I was in middle school or high school, if I'd been asked to a dance by a boy I liked, I never was. And we were slow dancing and he licked my ear. I would not have been thinking, oh, what are you doing, weirdo? I would have been like, holy shit. He just like, what do I do? I don't know how to react, but my body is going nuts. So it was kind of, you get a lot of that kind of show, especially a flashback shot yeah. later, where the girl is much more confident and knows what's up and the guy is fumbling. Yeah. And it was sort of refreshing to see a girl who is equally like confused and excited about what was going on it felt it felt really natural it felt way more genuine yeah, yeah. i really liked that like he, he does a little tentative lick and she's kind of like looks confused but sort of excited and then she goes in for the kiss yeah she goes for the kiss first it was awesome i was just bracing myself for that classic and now he's gonna make a fool of himself right. and the girl's gonna be like you're weird and he's gonna be embarrassed and be like even though i'm a doctor i don't know about girls instead he totally sells yeah. this complimenting her hair and licking her earlobe thing and she's into it. It's, I think it's adorable. Be because he's so genuine with it. Yeah. Like... Because he's a nice kid. It's adorable. Anyway, it was just really refreshing to have... No, the girl actually likes him and she's just as nervous and excited to be on a date with him as he is with her. It was just right. nice. I think a lot of men write television shows and they remember their first attempt. Uh, they remember the girls being like, what a cruel bitch because she didn't return my affections. Right. And so they write the scene that way. And this was just sweet and genuine. Yeah. And I was like, 
Nicely done, Doogie Hauser. I'm mad, still mad at you about the child abuse scene, but this is really sweet. So. Unfortunately, the sweet moment is interrupted. Yeah, his beeper goes off. Classic doctor shit. He says, he calls it his pants alarm. <laughs> and I couldn't tell if he was trying to make a joke or if he genuinely, that's what he calls his beeper. She's like, what's that? And he goes, my pants alarm. It's my beeper. I have to call the hospital. She's like, right now? And he's like, yeah, I'm sorry. And then just leaves. And she's like, sad, left oh, alone on the dance floor. Delightful. He, we then cut to him rushing through the hospital, finds the kid's bed empty. He then rushes to another part of the hospital and finds Dr. Mustache in the locker room in his street clothes, looking upset. He's got his head in, in his hands. Yeah. And he says what happened. And the kid basically had heart failure in his sleep. He says, we worked on him for an hour, but there was nothing we could do. Doogie is upset. He does the classic punch the locker with anger. And Dr. Mustache actually has a nice moment, despite the fact that he was very dismissive before calling him a snot-nosed kid. He says, I'm sorry, Dr. Hauser. I guess there's nothing either of us could have done. And it was a nice moment because I was really expecting it to be that they tried to do the transplant. Right, and Doogie had been right. And Doogie was right all along, and he goes, yeah. you should have trusted me, but instead it was just, you know, neither of us. Yeah. We'll never find out which of us was right, and that I appreciated that, because I expected this either to be a lesson for Doogie about, okay, but you sometimes do need to listen to the other doctors, even though, because mm -hmm. you do have less experience, even though you have all the knowledge, you're still new to being a doctor, and you have less life experience and less actual medical experience, or it was going to be, see, you should have trusted me all along. Yeah. And instead it was another lesson. It took me by surprise, and I really appreciated that. The other lesson was, and it didn't make an adversary of Dr. Mustache. Right. Which was nice, because he's, he's obviously going to be a regular character on the show. And he's probably going to be a little bit of an adversary, but not not a, like a yeah. mustache-twirling evil one. Yeah, you know? There's no, not a snidely whiplash character. Yeah. This is one of the things that I was referencing earlier on in the podcast where I was talking about how some of the stories didn't play out in a way that I thought they were going to yeah. because, and that's what is kind of drawing me to the show is that this was so clear, so clearly felt like it was setting up either uh, Dewey is actually right and everybody needs to listen to him because he's brilliant or a Doogie needs to learn from the experience of older, you know, wiser people. And it, the lesson ended up being neither of those things. It ended up being this like really unexpected gut punch of like, sometimes the kids are trying to save die and that sucks. Yeah. Sometimes you lose a patient and it's not because anybody made a mistake because yep. this was before the surgery was even yep. scheduled to happen. So yeah, I, I really appreciated that even though it's obvious that he and Dr. Mustache are going to, in the future, they're going to butt heads. He's not a total butthead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's, he's someone who is trying to do a good job as well. I was saving that plan words and you didn't even react. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I thought of it. It is now. Like two minutes ago. It is now. That I waited to, to work it in, and I was excited for you to laugh. Whenever I do that, you never laugh or react. So mad. Good thing we Whenever have Whenever you uh, do it, I I lose my shit. We have the leftover audience canned laughter from the Fraser episode. We'll just drop some of that in right there. Perfect, perfect. Oh, anyway, um, we then go to the basically the final scene. Doogie is in bed at home. And it's even it's a very serious scene. You said something really funny, which is he had this weirdly, he had this like giant ruler. ruler. His, like, the headboard of his bed was a giant ruler, but it was like only six inches worth of a ruler. Yeah, it was only like three inches. It was yeah, huge. Huge. 
And also a giant alarm clock, like larger than his head. And Comically I was like, large alarm clock. Yeah, and you I were was like, like, "Do they surround him with giant objects to make him look smaller on purpose?" <laughs> I don't know. I think that was just an '80s thing, honest. Yeah. Like really large, oversized things as like a kid bedroom thing. Anyway, um, <clears throat> Doogie's in bed at home. He's upset, obviously. His dad comes in and kind of gives him a talk. And they have a nice moment. He talks about how hard it is. He says, you know, when I lost my first young patient, I cried like a baby. But it gets easier as you get older. And he says, you know, that's just part of being a doctor. Because Doogie obviously is kind of like, I don't want it to get easier. And he's like, well, yeah, but that's part of being a doctor. You know, it, it does get easier with time. And they have a really nice moment where Doogie says, why can't I just be a normal kid? Which is cool to see, you know, even though he obviously chose this path, it's not indicated in the show that his parents pressured him into this, which I kind of expected when we found out his dad was a doctor too. Mm -hmm. But even though he chose this life, there are still times when he goes, I wish I could be a normal kid. And his dad says, but you're not a normal kid. He doesn't do a stern, like, yeah. you have a responsibility because you're smart to, to use that smart. He just says, hey, you're not a normal kid. Which is partially just a statement of fact. You're a genius and that makes you different. Mm -hmm. But also uh, you chose to become a doctor and to pursue this and that makes you different, you know? Yeah. And that's just the way it is. But he says, because you're not a normal kid, you're Doogie Hauser, M.D. B-G-A-A-G-K. And we go, what does all that mean? He goes, boy genius. Boy genius. All, all around, around great, great kid. kid. <laughs> it's cheesy, but it's kind of a tender moment. And he's like, I love you, Dad. I love you so. And they have a big hug. His dad leaves, he gets up, goes to a computer, starts it up immediately. Yeah. I could just remember how long it took computers to start up back then. And he just like turns it on and the screen is preloaded with his uh, diary page. Yep. And he writes the date of the, you know, dear diary, kissed my first girl, lost my first patient. Life will be, never be the same again. And that's the end of the episode. Credits. Like, statement of purpose, kind of, for the show, which was, uh, it was good. I, I thought that was a good ending. It was a little lighthearted and a little emotional, which is, like, a good blend of what the show is. Yeah. Which is, you know, that's one of those things that, again, like, made me think of, like, M.A.S.H. or later on Scrubs. Like, it's, it's that kind of feeling where it's, like, we're in a place where some heavy shit goes down. Yeah. But also we can have lighthearted fun moments. Like the 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 not the shitty adults on Doogie prank, but the his friend is a zombie in the yeah. morgue drawer. It was like I was like, that is exactly what two sixteen year olds would do if they had their run of a hospital. Oh sure. Yeah. And it was so fun. It was a it was a perfect prank. It just was out of uh proportion to the yeah. prank he was in response yeah. to. But anyway. Yeah, I, I thought that was a really good ending and it had a nice the ending, the tone of the ending reflected the tone of the show. It's a good way to end a pilot episode. There we go. All right. I also have a new segment to introduce oh on my. this week's episode of this Pilot is House. This highly irregular. I was not informed. This new segment is one that I'm going to tentatively be calling, Where Did the Money Go? When a television pilot is made, they do they want to impress, they want to get people on board, they yeah. want to be exciting. So so where did the money go? Yeah, for example, you were you did mention this to me earlier in Burn yes. Notice. Pretty much all their money went into that initial intro sequence 
of him in like Nigeria or whatever yeah. setting up this guy's a globetrotting spy. The rest of the episode was they played the the budget pretty close to the vest. Exactly. So in this one, where did the money go? And I have a theory. I want to say uh, the majority of the money uh, in this one went to the outdoor scenes. Uh-huh. That whole beginning segment where he's driving the car down the street. And they've got all the cars. There's a there's a bit. The first shot is it, we appear to be seeing a traffic jam. Yeah, there's and like then 12 they pan. Cars. There's a there's like a dollying shot panning over the cars. Yeah, with like a big you get one of those the cranes. I can't remember what they're called. That that I yeah. just maybe just called dolly. But like showing this traffic jam, and then oh, it's all people backed up behind Doogie who's driving at exactly the speed limit or slightly yeah. under. And so they had to have all those cars, people driving all of those cars. And then him speeding up. And just, just all the shooting outside they did of the, the accident yeah. moment. The rest of the episode was basically on sets. You know, yeah. the, the house and the hospital and stuff like that. So, uh, Or also the dance scene. A lot of extras. That's true. To shoot the school dance. Yeah, there was there was quite a bit going on there. It is it is just um, I mean, on this show, obviously, it's like a, going to be a smaller like procedural sitcom. So the, the segment is not necessarily the best for this show. But I think you absolutely nailed it is that doing some kind of like somewhat big outdoor location shooting yeah. with like a lot of vehicles and Doogie dr- doing the driver's test and everything. Definitely. Yeah. Where, where they spent the, the cash. Yeah. And the, and yeah, the, just having that big school dance scene, it seems like the kind of thing that they either would not have done or would have shot differently. There would have been a lot of close up shots that with a crowd of extras just behind them yeah. to make it look like but a there school dance. But there was that long tracking shot through yeah, the school dance through at the, the beginning. Yeah, the dance of yeah. everybody rocking out in an 80s way. So yeah, I think they they went they were obviously going a little big for the pilot uh-huh. with with that kind of scene. So there we go. I mean, and obviously that uh, Halloween mask can't have been cheap. <laughs> That's a good zombie mask, very realistic. Oh yeah, I was I was I was just top of the line, swept away. I mean, and there's the computer. Yeah, but the IBM provided the computer. Uh, so. Hewlett Packard, oh, HP. Don't, don't don't at me. <laughs> I'm yeah, I'm probably Hewlett Packard actually paid them to put the yeah, computer in yeah. the show. So. That's where they. That's why they could afford to do that big dance scene. Right. All right. Shall we move on to clips and chips? Clips and chips, uh, as as new listeners may not know, is where we talk about our predictions for the show. In specific, uh, what we think the cliffhanger for the season one finale will be, and if we have any ships between characters. But also, we do general predictions of things we think would be cool to see on the show, or we'd like to see on the show. And I just said the phrase "big dance number." Because... Neil Patrick Harris. Neil Patrick Harris. Do they ever do a musical episode? Wouldn't it be great to see little Neil Patrick Harris singing and dancing? I mean, maybe he hadn't really gotten into singing and dancing yet at that age. Maybe that was something he got into later. I have no way of knowing. No way of knowing. The internet cannot tell me this information. Yeah, I would Yeah, I would love to see that. Just like... Yeah, because I mean, he went on to be a Broadway dancing. star after... Well, and it was also, done being a child star. Also, uh, the, the friend... Uh, Vinny. And Ma- yeah, Max Casella. Also singy, dancey. Although person. I don't know if he was prior to Newsies. One of the things about Newsies what they, was that they mostly cast kids who didn't have a lot of dance experience. Right. They had a couple of like like plants that were like dance kids who did like the solo numbers right. or whatever or like the big jumps or whatever. And then all the other kids were trained to dance just for that production because they uh-huh. wanted the kids to look more realistic and right. more natural. Anyway, so I don't know that Max Casella had done any musicals prior to that, but he can sing. Obviously. There's a lot so. of raw musicals talent going on in there. I just, oh, yeah. The two of them, 
Uh-huh. I just, I want there to be a musical episode so bad. Like, they have a musical at the high school, and Doogie auditions, even oh though gosh. he's, and he's trying to balance rehearsals and all that stuff. Oh, I want this. And th- that... Go on the record. That's the one thing I want to happen on this show. That thing of balancing the 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 stories of like balancing being a kid and being an adult like i feel like that is something that like has the potential to be very affecting because I, I at least as an adult now i kind of feel like i do that anyway mm-hmm. like i have to adult like i have to pay my like bills and i have to get new tires for my car and whatever but at the same time i'm like but i just want to watch cartoons <laughs> and like that finding that that balance and so like to see him sort of having, like, all this responsibility, but also the, this desire to just be a kid. Like, I, I'm excited to sort of see that explored more. And especially, yeah. like, the, the, like, with the great chemistry and sort of the earned feeling of the relationship with Brenda, I'm like... Wanda. Wanda. I want more, like, I want this, I want to watch this play out longer, like... Yeah, I did does... look up online that she becomes his girlfriend and, and is his girlfriend on the entire run of the show, I think. Uh-huh. From, from what I saw when I looked her up on Wikipedia to get her name. So right. she becomes the girlfriend character, which I'm so much happier about that than about her being the girl he has to work up to asking out character. Right. And it's more fun to... Yeah. She actually likes him back. Oh, my God. Because, yeah, I mean, like, especially, like, with this where it's, like, you know, cute, like, younger, youngish nurse, like, the uh, nurse Blondie, like, especially all the, like, weirdness of that. It's like, no... But, like, it's TV, and I could see that being, like, a thing where it's, like, he develops a crush on her, and it's, it's yeah. like, I don't want that. You know, yeah, I, yeah, exactly. I'm glad, even though the prank would have made more sense if they'd established that he kind of had a crush on her, uh-huh. I'm kind of glad they didn't yeah. establish that. Because that would have just been, I mean, it would have been pretty run-of-the-mill for, like, an 80s show yeah. for that to be one of his awkward things of having a crush on this adult. One of the awkward parts about being a kid in an adult's world. Yeah. Um, working alongside adults. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of a lot of things Will Wheaton has said about his experience working on Next Generation, uh-huh. that he, it was weird to be, I am here at work, and I am being a professional, but also I'm a kid, and everyone else is adult, an adult. Yeah. Um, that, which, interestingly, that is probably what Neil Patrick Harris was also experiencing. He was a kid, but there to work, like uh-huh. all the other adults on the show, but then... Actually, that's interesting. That's actually kind of a parallel. It's a it's a bit yeah. of a parallel in TNG as well because, you know, Wesley eventually becomes an ensign and all that, and so that becomes a thing in that show. So, which is which is one of the cool things about uh, on 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 Dookie Hauser that he gets to have like a peer group. Mm-hmm. He's he's not entirely alone. Like he has his best friend and his girlfriend. Yeah. So he has two people anchoring him to normal kid stuff. Normal At least life. two. Like it yeah. seems like his parents are are still, like his parents are, are seem to be pretty encouraging of him going to the school dance and like, yeah. and spending time with the cohort that is his age and not just being like, all right, well, fuck it, you're sixteen, you're a doctor now and you can drive yourself to work and we're done. Yeah. Like there's still like, it's still important to them that he still is treated like a, a, a youth. Yeah. And that he still has more growing up to do and et cetera. Like, I really liked that. So, yeah. Uh, I want to know what is in his wallet so bad. <laughs> I, I, think, I need uh, to know. I don't think that's going to be a reveal. I think that was just a badly shot scene. Sorry. I, I feel like at some point we will see what's in his wallet, though. That can't be the only... Like, it seems like it will be a running gag of the show that he'll do a doctorly thing, and then it'll be like, 
but you're a child. Like, yeah, although that would, uh, I don't know, that's possible. It, it seems like that scene was mostly about them establishing, that was the reveal to the audience that he was a yeah, doctor as well, you know? For sure. So, I, I don't know, I honestly, I can't really come up with any, I mean, there are, there's no ships to speak of, because he's already got a girl who likes him, who's going to be his girlfriend probably in the next episode. Also, the thing I would have expected was for them to establish some sort of flirtation or or, or something between Dr. Hunk and Nurse Blondie, because they seem to be about the same age, and they're young, yeah. attractive people, and they, they're only two characters with names on the show who are about that age, so... Mm-hmm. They didn't establish that, not even a whiff of it, and I kind of hope they don't just because it would be a bit tired, but I wouldn't be surprised if they right. do. Right, It's the kind of thing you would expect, and I just hope that if they do, here's here's something I'll put out here. If this show was in the late 2000s or mid-2000s, uh-huh. if this was a USA show shot around the time of White Collar, 1,000% he would have been hitting on Nurse Blondie, and she would have been like not giving him the time of day. Oh, yeah. I mean, I feel like that is a thing that absolutely would have happened. And I kind of hope that they don't, or even if if they do have some sort of thing, it's a kind of thing where they sort of joke about it, and maybe later on in the show they end up dating They're like a cute long-term, will they, won't they? It's, yeah. Yeah. I would like it to be a cute long-term, will they, won't they, where they kind of like each other, but they work together. Not a, he's always aggressively flirting, and she's always like, go away. Which, because I hate that dynamic. I, Yeah. Speaking of, like, kind of, like, TV tropes or whatever, like, I want to see Doogie encounter other child geniuses, like, through oh, the course that'd be of the a, series. That'd be a good episode where he, he like, a whole episode where he yeah. meets another genius, genius kid doctor and kind of his worldview is shaken, like, I'm not the smartest kid yeah. in the room. Yeah. <laughs> I am not the, I'm not the widest gap between age and IQ anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Like, that would be fascinating. Yeah, that would be really interesting to meet, yeah, some other kid genius. Or have him go to some kind of, like, kid genius convention or something. Well, yeah, because, you know, whatever thing you are, like, for me, I'm an accordion player, and so I know hundreds of accordion players. Yeah. Like, whatever thing you are, you end up being exposed to oh, and sure. aware of. And I'm sure when he was younger, his mom went to, like, groups for, like... I rem- I feel like I've heard about this being a thing before, where people who think they have a, a kid genius, they, like, get together and, like... Yeah. Talk about how their kids are geniuses or whatever, or like commiserate about how hard it is to raise a normal child. Son built a time machine in the basement. He barely talks to me anymore. Yeah. Like, it, it, yeah, I, I could see that being a thing that would yeah. come up eventually. I'm trying to think of what would be a good uh, season finale, like, big deal. The only thing I could think of is some kind of serious medical He has to emergency. work on one of his parents. Oh, he either he has to do a procedure on someone he knows or yeah. just a big procedure, a serious thing he's never done before. Like his very first transplant or something like that and the yeah. pressure is on. Maybe he... Like he's the only doctor available to do thing. And he's never actually done thing yeah. before even though he knows how to do it. He's never right. done it in person. Like... That would be... That would be a good thing where he has to prove himself and yep. really... And prove himself to himself. Yeah, and you, you just totally hit the nail on the head with that, like, prove himself to himself. Yeah. I feel like in most of this, he's very confident, and, like, he's, like, kind of hot shit. Not, like, in a conceited way, but, like, he knows what he's about. Yeah, he and, feels very confident in his abilities. Yeah, and then losing the kid, the the, the patient, like, seems to really question that for yeah, him. Yeah, he said, why can't I just be a normal kid? He seems yeah. to be maybe a little bit questioning, why did I choose this life? And I, I would like to see that sort of developed ongoing as, like, this sort of thing about, like, Am I going to go all in on this or am I going to quit this? Yeah. Because, like, when you're 16, you're like, 
what you think you're going to do with your life is totally different than what you're like. Oh yeah. I mean, I could absolutely see someone in his, in his situation, he becomes a doctor and maybe is a doctor for uh-huh. even 10 years, right. but maybe at 26 suddenly decides I don't want to be a doctor anymore. I have so much life left where I could do something else. I could become an astrophysicist, you know, and just kind of leaving, not on this show. Right. And then obviously the show didn't go on that Oh my long. gosh. Does, does the show ever send him to space? <laughs> I could see that being a thing. He decides to become an astronaut. Yeah. Uh, for show prediction, they have eventual a flash forward where we see him later in life. He's become like some other ridiculous. He's like the doctor art. on the USS Enterprise. No, come on, he's not. He's it's it's. Flash not. forward to him being a psychic in the Terran military fighting the bugs. All right, all right, you're being silly. I just want like a flash forward where they show him <laughs> having a, like mastered some other extremely difficult job like being a freaking astronaut like that'd be kind of awesome it would be awesome that it, is that is literally the the character that neil patrick harris plays in starship troopers oh really yeah oh i didn't get the joke i'm sorry no, it's okay i didn't get the joke i thought you were yeah, just being like, silly the, the, like does he end up being a doctor forever or does like i would love to at some point in the series like get that answered hmm. like is he going to be a doctor for the rest of his life or does he go off and do something else yeah. that would be fascinating it'd be, it'd be interesting to see him have that question about like yeah. you know I'm pretty young I have a lot of life left I could I don't have to stay a doctor forever yeah. it was a lot of work to become a doctor but like also I've got time yeah, President so. Hauser <laughs> oh duty for president final verdict the question is did the show do the job of a pilot and make you want to watch more. For me, it's a it's a very definitive yes. Weirdly, I feel like I liked the show, uh-huh. and I would watch more if it was like you know back in the day when things were just on TV, and you go, yeah, sure, I'd watch more of this. It just happens to be on. But oddly, I can't really imagine myself sitting down. There's no nothing where I go, ooh, I really want to see where they go with this part of the show. Right. A lot of times that's the thing that keeps you watching a show. It's a general feeling of, do I like this show? Do I like the feel? Do I like the characters? Do I like the general tone and the writing? But also the defining answer of whether you'll watch a show, because there's lots of shows that are kind of generally good, generally interesting, generally well-written. The thing that makes you stick around, I think, with a show is... Either you really love the concept and the vibe and the writing, or there's a question where you're like, I just gotta know where they go with this part. Or I gotta know how this character turns out. I gotta know about this. And there's no gotta knows with this. I I don't gotta know anything. I, uh-huh. I'm kind of interested, but it's... I also feel like the pacing was a little slow, which is fine for the 80s and the kind of show it was. But I think for my tastes, I might get a little bored with it. Also, it's on Hulu, and I hate watching ads. Yeah. Well, for me, again, like, this is something that I was talking about in a previous episode. Like, it's just small stories with lower stakes mm-hmm. that is also, like, charmingly bizarre in the surrealness of him being a child and, like, mm-hmm. negotiating that. It's, I, I don't know, the strength of, like, episodes two through five are what will determine if I actually finish the season. Yeah. But I definitely want to give it, like, a couple more to see, like, yeah. what an, a more average Doogie Hauser episode is. Yeah, like I, you know, I don't have a Hulu account, but I there's plenty of people who'd let me borrow their password if I really wanted to watch a show. Yeah. I I don't think I want to watch it so badly enough to even ask somebody like, hey, can I borrow your Hulu? 
Yeah. I don't think I want it that badly. And it's nothing against the show. Yeah. It's absolutely not a criticism. I think it's a good show. And I generally enjoyed watching it. This was not one, obviously you can tell this was not one where I was like, oh my God. I was not, I didn't hate every minute of it like Degrassi. But I, yeah, I, just, I can't really imagine myself watching it. No no shade on the show. It's yeah. just, it's, I, I don't really care that much about where it goes. But I do want you to watch the first season so we can do a catch-up episode where you tell me some some greatest hits moments. Yeah. yeah. I want to know about some of the some of the big problems Doogie faces in the first season. So. All right, folks. Well, I think that's it. Yeah. Hopefully, uh, Doogie has a catch-up episode coming 2019. <laughs> All right, folks. No particular addendums and corrections on this one except that the word I couldn't think of earlier was residency, but that's not important right now. What is important is that we would love you to follow us on various social media platforms and contact us and let us know if you like the podcast. We also love to get suggestions for shows that we should watch in the future. You know, we'd like to talk about the shows you guys want to hear us talk about. So let us know if there's a show you just really would love to hear us uh gab about for an hour or so and we will seriously consider it uh we are on twitter and instagram at pilot house pod you can check out our website at pilothousepodcast.com or email us at pilothousepodcast at gmail.com uh you can also check us out on itunes and give us a little uh, rating or review even if you don't primarily use itunes for podcasts uh, i'm told that uh, ratings and reviews are very helpful for finding new listeners and in fact we just got our very first review from a new listener someone that we don't already know which is really nice thank you very much for the lovely review davy z whoever you are only other thing to say is that our next episode in two more weeks is going to be about the TV show Lost Girl from, I believe, the Sci-Fi Channel. Uh, but more on that later. Uh, catch ya on the flippity flap. But a bit about that went well. All right. Body bitty bum. And uh, that's it. And I. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it really sounded like you were going. And. <laughs> All right, shall we say goodbye? Okay. Bye! Bye. (laughs) So much easier when we're not on Skype.